the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's Word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Sophie Dollar. All right. We are in the house. Thank you for joining us tonight, folks, for The Bible Live. Uh, we have a good 90 minutes to visit with you about all things biblical. Jacob is here in the room, uh, excited about talking about New Testaments now. We're going to the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke. All of our readings this past week took place from uh, Luke chapters 8 through 20. Oh, well, with the exception of we read uh, about uh, three chapters from the Proverbs. Four, five, and six. So we have uh, some things we could look at from that. We we kind of been focusing on our our longer readings um, instead of the uh, proverbs and the the psalms and so on. But uh, we could always, uh, if we see something noteworthy, Jacob, maybe we could uh, give a thought tonight to the well, proverb readings. I, these as are well. the proverbs. I'm waiting to read the converbs. The converbs. Yes, I knew that was coming. Well, Luke chapters eight through. Uh, 20 and I, I really like Luke uh, th- this as a reading as a story it's just fascinating it just moves along and so many stories and uh, uh, so so interesting about the life of this individual Jesus of Nazareth uh, and it's just uh, I, I like of, of the Gospels I have to say I probably like it 
best in terms of reading. Now, that may surprise some folks because most people would say the Gospel of John. And I do I do really like John. I love the theology of John. It explains a lot of things but uh, to me. But but Luke is, is so good in the, the parables that are told, the stories that were told. It keeps my attention, and, and they're very touching. They, uh, they're very practical for life as well. And so maybe, I don't know, maybe we can talk about some of those things even this evening, Jacob. I don't know what you what questions or what topics you may have circled this evening uh but um anyway we we've got that going on for us tonight and uh, do we want to make can i make a wonderful announcement about you uh i don't know if you want you don't mind it's up to you well i i certainly am excited about it thrilled about it i don't know if uh, all of you know i've mentioned it from time to time uh not consistently and constantly but uh many of you may know and have known that jacob is writing a book and he has just finished the book actually this week uh, it's a matter of getting copyrighted and getting some illustrations final put in place and then uh off to the publishers and the uh, shop it around and see who might want to shop this uh, New York Times bestseller you know, <laughs> that's going to be coming down the trail. Uh, it really is thrilling, folks. Uh, he has worked long and hard, and I am so thrilled for him. Exactly oh, right. Wow. He deserves far more than that, to be honest. But uh, uh, anyway, just let you know. And, and uh, the the wonderful thing is that the, all of those insights and and those um, ideas that we get, the benefits that we get from uh, uh, someone with a Hebrew background, Hebrew language, Hebrew culture, the religious background, the traditions, taking a look at at all of the biblical texts, not only the the uh, Tanakh, the Old Testament, but also taking a look at the New Testament. Uh, the teachings, the language that's used, and so on. Even though it's it's uh, Greek, uh, the the people who spoke were Jewish to the core. Jesus was a, a very committed, uh, practicing Jewish, godly Jewish man. All the disciples, the early believers, uh, coming out of Jerusalem, and so on. It, it was uh, it, it really benefits benefits us to have that. And I know you've been noticing that a lot as we go through the Bible here every year, just commenting through the, every book of the Bible throughout the year. Uh, I noticed, I know that you two have been really blessed and, and challenged and, and, uh, and intrigued by so many of the insights. And the, what I've noticed most, Jacob, is the way you guys, <laughs> excuse me for saying guys. guys, the way y'all connect the dots is so amazing to me that you, uh, of course, you've been studying these texts, uh, particularly the Hebrew script, the Old Testament for centuries and centuries. And it's just been, it's so instructive to get your perspective as you read through these uh, New Testament stories. You see them, in most cases, you see them very differently. And, and I don't mean that there's a totally, absolutely different interpretation and, and you know, you're right and we're wrong or we're right and you're wrong or you know that's that's not what I mean I'm just talking about the insight the 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 way you read it and see it and hear the words the message the stories uh, in light of the Hebrew scriptures I, I think that's so important it helps us so so very much uh, I, I don't know I don't know if there are very many times when we when it comes down to the idea of uh, this is right and that interpretation is wrong uh, one thing about the scriptures is that they can always, they can always. It seems like to me. Maybe you can give me a thought about this as well. It seems like the scriptures can always be tempted. Uh, I'm sorry, tempted. Can always be um, understood. They can always be interpreted. Uh, 
at different levels. They they can kind of like we talk about the the uh, the. Uh, the onion, you know, when you take the uh, off the onion, you keep going deeper and deeper. It, it doesn't change the onion, but it, you actually, uh, it, it, it's just a different experience of it. And is that an understanding as well uh, in the Hebrew scriptures? Oh, is yeah. It just Oh, yeah. You know, I always say, you know, three Jews, six opinions. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, that that does it. Well, I, I, uh, I but I mean, it, legitimately, and I, I was just thinking that the very few times that I can note or remember or recall, maybe not not very many at all, for all the conversations we've had over the years, not only here on the radio, but in personal and our, our get together lunch time. Sometimes we have supper and talk and way into the night. Uh, in all of those conversations, the times when we've actually, when there's an actual conflict of, well, this passage has to be interpreted one way or the other, uh, that doesn't seem to have come up very often. No. Maybe maybe it's because you're so tactful and diplomatic. and Oh, it could be or it could be that you're just so flexible and malleable. <laughs> that <laughs> and intolerant, right? Of all, yeah, very of all tolerant. Yes. In but, fact, uh, you remind me of the famous singer Tom Jones. His middle name was Robert, Tom Rubber Jones. Huh? <laughs> Tom Rubber <laughs> Well, no, I listen, do. But I, no, all joking aside, I, you're, you're I, very tolerant. You've been very embracing. You've been very open to listen to the things. So the fact that you think that some of the things I say are interesting really is more of a comment on you than it is on me. Hmm. Well, thank you. I I um, I think <laughs> I believe I should say thank you there. But no, really, it's just to me, it's been so often clarifying, helpful, and I don't put one interpretation necessarily against the other. Uh, I, I've told you this a number of times. We, we Gentiles, <laughs> we guys, as a, we, particularly here in the U.S. of A., we've, I grew up with the Bible, I read the Bible, I memorized the scriptures, and so on. We, we just tend to we take it at face value. You know, we're reading about a battle. It's a battle, and this is what happened. And we're reading about a vision. We're reading about a, a parable. We we take it right there at face value at, at what it says on the page. And we don't often t- connect the dots between what we're reading. For example, tonight there's this, this amazing parable. I, I think it's one of the more one of the more interesting of all the parables, and, and that Jesus told was this one. He, this story he tells about the four soils. You know, the hard path, uh, the, the shallow, soils. the shallow rocky soil, the weed infested soil, and the good soil. And we use that. We I've heard that my whole life, and it, it talks about the different responses uh, that God that people have to God and God's message. And and I'm wondering if that. Strikes it rings any bells in terms of your understanding when you hear that does that is that just taken at face value there's these four soils here's my message, and people respond to it in different ways or or do you kind of get a different did you kind of get a different idea? Does it remind you of some passage in the in the Tanakh in the Old Testament that you know that Jesus might have been referring to or thinking about? That's that's the that's the kind of thing that often happens when we when we talk about these. Well, as a matter of fact, the four soils does somewhat remind me of uh, of three soils of what of Adam because it comes from the word Adama, which is like earth. Okay, and uh, the legend is is that. Uh, God gathered different colors, soils from all around the earth to make Adam out of the earth, out of soil. So you'll have different kinds of soil. 
In fact, uh, one of the other legends is is that uh, the sons of Noah, uh, see, what a Ham, Japheth, and uh, uh-huh. what was Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Yeah, Japheth. Uh-huh. That's it. Uh, that actually there has been. I'm not saying it's biblical, but has been an understanding that they are actually the colors that they were. Huh? Have you ever heard that? The before? names themselves were uh-huh. the colors. Yeah, yeah. No. I have not heard that. uh, I thought Shem was where we got the idea of Semites. No. Shem. Really? Yeah, no. No. Wow, that's been a. I don't know where I heard it, and maybe I made it up in my own head. Actually, you know where the word anti Semite came from? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, okay, that was like a long pause. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I, I, I wasn't, I didn't think that's where they got the word anti-Semite, but well, I thought Shem uh, was, was... Well, no, Shem no? Is, uh, actually his name. I, I know, but so it's not where uh, we get Shem. Semites. No, actually, you know who invented the word, uh, um... Uh, John is showing me a picture of Shem from John, the John, you quit distracting my partner uh, here, okay? Uh, Shem uh, actually is uh, the anti, or rather anti-Semite was invented by the Nazis. Okay. So it was their word, and actually one of the very. Funny but before things, there could be an anti-Semite, there had to be a Semite. You know, and that's the interesting thing. In a very strict. <laughs> Wasn't that a brilliant observation on my part? <laughs> I mean, come it on. was one of those very tolerant <laughs> things. Um, but the uh, but actually, in a very technical sense, the Jews probably were not Semites. The other folks were Semites. Right, that's true. So and they came from where the Chaldees. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. They were actually Persians, I that suppose, something like correct, that. Yeah. So they probably were not Semites, but for uh, you know just conversation. But that was a long, long time that ago. That was a long time ago in a country far away. Yeah, and that means that if if y'all were Semites, then I would be. I would be Mongolian. Oh, because they say that we <laughs> Native Apache and Native Americans, especially in Southwestern tribes, descended from Mongolians, uh, from the zone, and so that yeah. would mean. And who would have guessed? Uh, no. So you're from the Apache Mongolian. Tribe. Yeah, yeah, Apache Mongolian. But I, I would have if I went when I was in Mongolia. It, once I saw myself with them, for the first time in my life, I kind of blended in with everybody else. It was kind of, it was very interesting. We do look very much like, although not many of them are six foot tall. That, that's we are a little. Do you bit, remember the old Hawaiian singer Don Ho? I do. I remember seeing him one time, and of course he looked Hawaiian, and he was in the army station in Oklahoma, and he used to tell a story when he'd gotten he'd get drunk and he'd pass out. They'd always drop him off at the Indian reservations because they thought he's Indian. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure that was for his complexion, not for his state at well, the time. Uh, hopefully, that's that's. Um, but anyway, look, we got to talk about the parable of the four soils, and if there are other uh, observations and things that we make as we make it through these chapters tonight in the Gospel of Luke, um, I'm looking forward to hear some of that. But you do get what I mean about oh, yeah. seeing these passages when we as. When when we as just English speaking believers in the 21st century here, we look at our Bible, we open it up, and uh, I was talking to a large, had some very large classes this morning that I was teaching, and uh, out at Lackland, and we were going through the scriptures, and and people were really enjoying it, and so on, and we're getting it, and God, they were talking about how God's word really touches their hearts and has helped them and guided them in so many ways, and and um, and I'm wondering is. 
when they do that, and when we just read a story, uh, it, it could come from anywhere. It could be David and Goliath. It could be Joshua in the battle, you know, where the the sun was stopped for a day. It says, and and so on. When people read these, and we just take them right at face value, and God did this, and we, God can stop the sun if He wants to, and He can change the time if He wants to, and He can do whatever He wants to do, and so on. Uh, is that? Uh, but but then other people come along and say, well, you know that uh, they come up with a scientific kind of a perspective explanation. Remember, they did a computer deal and they went back in time and they just put it back and back and back and they came up missing. Uh, you know, they came up missing thirty minutes. Yeah, I, or saw, half, I uh, saw. I actually saw John Hagee's presentation of that, and I've never checked it out to see the accuracy. But he's done it, and uh, what he presents is very, very interesting. Yeah, it is. Yeah, people have kind of try to find that missing time, and uh, and they tell these stories. They're anecdotal in most in most cases. I think uh, I'm not seeing yeah you know, documented this sort of thing. But uh, and my question is. How legitimate is that for us to to read the Bible that way and and get this meaning? Like, for example, one lady was talking about this morning how she'd been praying for her daughter and in uh, basic training and so on and so on and, and, and read this particular passage and it really encouraged her and so on. But the passage didn't really have anything to do with a uh, basic trainee in the United States Air Force in the 21st century. It was about you know another family and living in, in, in the Old Testament times and so on. But but she took great encouragement from it about praying for her daughter and thinking of her daughter and, and um, how, to what degree how in terms of your understanding of biblical interpretation and so on is is that the sort of thing that we can expect from the Bible is, is it a it's not a magic book I make the clear and of course when I'm teaching it's not a, when you touch it and, you know in, in, in it's sort of a um, what's it, what am I trying to think uh, it's not a magic book like your your um, Super superstition or that sort of thing, but it is a supernatural book and can speak into our lives and it can uh, God can use it to speak a truth and, and speak to a present situation in our lives. Uh, is that is that a true understanding of of, of a way? It, do do Hebrew people also read the Bible in that way and and take personal hope and personal encouragement from a particular passage about? family or about relationships or about finances do they do they make application that way or you, you, i don't well of course uh, i'm just kind of going on and talking talking uh, here and you're just kind well, of looking around because like, i'm thinking uh-huh uh, i knew you were thinking i could smell mm-hmm. the hair burning over here but but i just kind of wondering uh what, well um what are you thinking about well i'm thinking about what you're saying okay um uh, actually of course everybody is all people are the same. Some read it some way, some read it another, some read it well, some don't read it hardly at all. Uh, but I would say generally not. Generally not. I think they more read it to understand <clears throat> what God wants, what his guidance, his rules are, and then they take it to apply it on what their conduct should be. Okay. Um, for example, um <clears throat> Um, the uh, uh, the woman in chapter eight, the woman that has this uh, hemorrhage for a number of years, and she's called a daughter of Abraham. That tells us that she's Jewish. Okay. Uh-huh. And so uh, in Luke chapter eight, uh-huh. this lady who is um, let me let me get it in front of me so I can kind of. Um, also, we hear about Jesus' mother and his brothers. 
come to see him. I understand that some people think that are his cousins and all, but let me see where I find that. Is that the one where a large crowd? No, this is the farmer. Well, it's in chapter 8. I'm looking for it. Uh, is oh the sick the the dead girl and the sick woman. Well, it's before the it's the sick woman. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Who touched me? That one. Okay. We yeah we well, talked okay, about that a little ex- bit. Okay. Let me let me show you something. Now <clears throat> you can read it for the miracle of her being healed by touching Jesus, but it does say in verse uh, forty four eight to forty four mm-hmm. that she touched his cloak. Right. Came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. Or his garment, shall we say. Yes, his garment. Well, what? Now, you see, when I read that, I take that differently. I know, and I've heard that about his prayer uh, his shawl in sure. the tassels and that uh, sort of thing. Now, uh-huh. what she does is she's Jewish. Uh-huh. Now, if you read it for the healing of Jesus' healing her, that's great. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, I, I I tend to get out of it. What she did is she comes up and she grabs the hem or the tassel on his prayer shawl, which is the Ten Commandments or the commandments. Mm-hmm. So she's Jewish. She's grabbing hold of the commandments and obeying the commandments healed her. And so I take it a little differently. Well, uh, I, I'm not sure that's so different. It, it, it's, it is different, but it, I'm not sure it's... It's different in any way that makes it uh, opposite. I mean, well, I, one I think concentrates on the, the the glory of the miracle in uh-huh, Jesus. Uh huh. I get it. Yeah. His power, his essence. Uh, the other one I think is that he's wearing the commandments, and it's the commandments that kind of heal. The him. subtleties are so interesting because um, she'd been sick so long. Uh, who touched me? Well. Uh, Someone touched me. Power has gone out from me. That's intriguing. Power has gone out from me. I felt Jesus felt something, which I, I kind of in my mind, I well, wonder okay, what in now, the world hey, that might That's a great been. illustration. Let me show you what that really means to me. Okay. I get an absolute lesson from God on that. Would you like to know what it is? Yeah, of course. That's okay. why I'm here. Because if Jesus <laughs> knows everything, uh-huh. he knows the power went out, his virtue, whatever we want to call it. Why doesn't he know who it is? No, wait a minute. Okay, this is really getting sticky all of a sudden. I mean, in reality, Jesus doesn't know it. He's not omniscient in his state as Messiah. He had divested himself wow. of his, of the, of the. He didn't cease being God, wow. but he ceased. He gave up voluntarily okay. the, 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 the. He he voluntarily gave up the, the prerogative, the initiative, the authority to use. To act on his authority and prerogatives as God, and he he's living the life of a man totally. And there are a number of th- times that there are things he says. I don't know the times of this or that. You know, the Father has not given it to me to know well, he that. He says all that. So okay. from your reading, so he doesn't from actually. Your reading may is, not know. He doesn't know everything at this moment. No, I think he's just a human being. In okay, someone touched right. him. That's and, good. That's now good. there are times when he does seem to know uh, things that it's. Uh, super, but I would think that was well, when the Father. He's, he's well read. What can I tell you? <laughs> no, I think in those occasions the Father, the Spirit, oh. supernaturally give him insight I, okay. or understanding that maybe we don't know about in, from well, the text. I, I didn't expect you to take that turn. I, I know you didn't, but 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 that's what I mean. We get into the. It, it's. Uh, I do have this understanding of Jesus as the Messiah. He was not Superman. He was not well just Clark Kent on the okay. outside and with the red cape and underneath it. You know. This. Okay. I get God, Jesus doing God's laws. Okay, I get that. I and, understand that. And do you know? Which law this is? This particular law? Yes. 
Oh, this particular law had to do with a not to touch. Uh, yeah, look, look at verse uh, forty-six. Does it have to do with him not having to, not supposed as a uh, as a clean or a Jew? He's not supposed to touch uh, no. a woman no, no, who's no, unclean or no, no. bleeding. Or this something. woman came and got healed. It tells us right. And look at forty-six. He says. But, but by her touching him, does it make him unclean? No. Jewish? No. Okay. No. no, okay. But somebody said, but someone did touch me. Yeah. And I was aware that the power had gone out of me, the version I'm reading. So exactly. That's I in see. the NASB. All right. So let's say that. But he, and the disciples said, well, there's a lot of people around here. Anybody yes, can touch do. you. Who is it? Well, yeah, how, see, well, how can we know that? Because the law of God is you don't have the right to embarrass or humiliate a person. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you turn around and said, ma'am, you just touched me and you were bleeding for 12 years and I healed you, he would have identified her and forced her to be embarrassed and humiliated in front of the crowd. And then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, it says, right. Right. seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. Mm-hmm. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. In other words, she herself, he didn't. Have her come up and say that. She did that on her. Now, that's her choice. And look what he said. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Uh He didn't even say, I healed you. No. He said, your faith has healed you. He didn't say the the commandments have healed you. you. see, it's like charity. If I get, one time, I'm going to shorten the story, but one time, there were some people who were talking to me, and the father could not speak English. He was from a Hispanic country. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, and I didn't I did something for him. It was really very minor. You didn't know I was a Spaniel, right? No. And uh, <laughs> well, why did you, you did understand what I said, well, though, didn't you? Well, there you but, go. But and I said, and he tried to give me some money, and I said, no, nah, no, nah, don't worry about, it, don't worry about it. And uh, so they left. A couple minutes later, his son came back, who spoke perfect English, mm-hmm. and said, "Here, you must take this money." And I said, "Why?" And he said, "I said what I did was practically nothing." And he said, you don't understand. When my father passes you on the street, he doesn't want to have to lower his eyes and be embarrassed. And I said, that's why he wants to give me money, so he doesn't feel like he was be embarrassed? And he said, yes. And I said, then give me the money. And so I took, it wasn't a lot, but I took mm-hmm. the money. At any rate, so my point is, is like charity. If you give charity, and the person you're giving it to knows it came from you, you own a piece of that person. You haven't given them something. You've taken something mm-hmm. from them. You've taken their pride. Because every time they see you, they will be embarrassed. Well, I've been wanting to tell you that. that when I see you on the street, Jacob, uh-huh. I don't want to be embarrassed. Okay. So. <laughs> okay. I can understand that. <laughs> I'm waiting for you to give me some money. That's a, no. So, but my point is this. So in Beautiful this story. story really. In this story, I read this, that Jesus was not embarrassing this lady. Right. Okay. But see, what I'm saying is that that doesn't bump into in any terminal sense. No, I, I agree. To what I agree. The, the, I take that as an added insight, an added thought, you know, and, and, and it certainly could have been part of the formula. We don't have any guarantees of that, but it doesn't. Well, if you were aware and sensitive to these Mm-hmm. commandments of God, you would know that when you're dealing with a person who's needy, 
that you're supposed to find a way to assist them and help them, but not embarrass them over it. And a great principle and a great thing for us to know and a great, I mean, that'll preach. That There would be a good point there. Folks, you can give us a call, 340-9585. You'd like to join us here on The Bible Live. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. Find out more about your favorite programs and the ministries on AM630 The Word by going to the program guide at am630theword.com. There, you'll get connected to the ministry website email and phone number plus find out when your favorite show airs on the program guide at am630theword.com if i had the power to heal one part of the body of christ i would choose without question the tongue hi i'm chuck swindoll i touch every christian tongue i could get next to and i certainly would touch mine as well It is unbelievable the abrasiveness that comes out of our mouths. We spew forth cursing shortly after spouting blessing. Someone said, tact is like a girdle. It enables you to organize the awkward truth more attractively. So, heed the scriptures. Let your speech always be attractive, charming, winsome, pleasant. Remember, be tactful. Pastor and teacher Chuck Swindoll. Visit Insight for Living's website at insight.org. back. I'm trying to get our announcer to tell you you're listening to the Bible live, but I couldn't get him to speak up here. We'll, we'll get it done. But we are back. This is the Bible live. We are talking about the gospel of Luke tonight. And gotten, I, I think, I hope you think as well, an interesting conversation about the different ways we may view and experience the scriptures. That, And of course, I know that you've bumped into this as well at your church. Uh, at your synagogue, I know you've bumped into it at, um, well, even just family gatherings and people getting together, God's people talking about uh, talking about the Lord, talking about their lives, talking about the scriptures, and trying to you know to uh, not only understand the scriptures and enjoy the scriptures, but apply them to our lives and what they mean and, and uh, what lessons there are for us. And I, I guess what we've gotten into tonight, we started talking about the. Um, the, uh, the scriptures and the different levels of understanding that we can have of them. Uh, I mean, 
obviously, I, I think uh, Jacob would agree with this, there's not going to be an entrance exam when we get to heaven. Uh, when we get to glory, there's not going to be uh, you know, a 100-question quiz we have to take. And if we don't, if we don't answer all the, these biblical questions correctly, you know, that's not going to be the... The I hope he grades on the curve. Oh, I'm sure he and, would have to. For and the, from a Christian point of view, let's say if th- there is an examination, uh, then you, I want to point out you will be judged by a Jewish lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little bit scary, except for the fact we happen to know who that Jewish lawyer was. Uh, he, he was a fisherman before he was, a, uh, I mean, a carpenter before he was a, a yeah. lawyer. But the point is, is I think I heard one time he doesn't join judge... He doesn't, what's the word, judge, uh, grade? He doesn't grade on a curve. He grades on a cross. Oh, <laughs> Isn't that cool. nice? That's kind of, I don't know uh, where I heard that. but I heard people. Maybe that, I just uh, made it up. Yeah, I heard, I heard about a kid that was doing well in math because he saw that, and he said, whoa, that plus sign is what they get you. That's the plus sign. That, that's okay. what it is, so all right. Here's, uh, well, okay, let's now talk we're, about this good Samaritan. Okay. All right, we're going and to go into Luke. Very, you're going to be very pleased. Luke chapter 10. And I already told him, folks, up front, I said, you start messing with our Good Samaritan, you're going to get in big trouble here. Uh, Now, look, knows about the Good Samaritan, right? uh, The way I think the way we basically read it is just this beautiful story about, you know, this this man who's hurt. He's set upon by thieves. Uh, Religious people pass him by. Let me see. I'm trying to think of the different people that pass him by. Uh, Isn't there a. A merchant. A, a, no, a, who, who are the different ones that pass him by? I'm, oh, I can't believe I'm forgetting that de- the details. But uh, I, it seems like two people pass him by that we would have thought would have mm-hmm. taken care of him. Well, let's let's take a look at exactly who those two people were. Okay, thank you. Uh, you'll start reading it in uh, ten thirty. Yes. Uh, all right, a priest. Mm-hmm. A priest. Now, who would that be? That would be a Levite. No. Oh! Now, you must be a Levite, but you must be, to be a priest, you have to be what's called a Kohen, or you have to be from the... Oh, dis- oh, oh okay, yes. so uh, oh, that was the second guy was the Levite. That's right. So the priest uh, is not only a Levite, but he is a descendant, descendant of, of Aaron. Aaron. Yes. Aaron. Oh, thank you very much. Okay. Well, I was right. He's a Levite, but... It, He's, it's, well, as a, it's grade, more than that. Grading on a curve, you got in. Okay. Whew, 70. Uh, That's anyway, my... So, but the point is, so the, see, what's Jesus' point here? There, as, as everybody knows, there was some hostility between the Samaritans and the Jews. Evidently. And so that's not, we're not totally off in that. Uh, but it's Jesus not like point, every Jew hates every Samaritan no. and they hate people and they... Well, no, I uh, don't think so. If you want to give us your thought, we generally are told that, well, there was a great deal of animosity between them. The well, Samaritans let's take a were look the, at the story and see what the story tells us rather than what we think. Go for it. Uh, okay, so in verse 30, it says, look, there was a man and he was injured. Uh-huh. And in 31, a priest, a Kohen. Uh, a Jewish priest came by. Now, that's like the guys that work in the temple, right? Yeah. Okay. So you would expect him to obey God's laws. Wouldn't I wouldn't you? say just a guy who works in the temple. I would, wouldn't he be more or less like a pastor? Wouldn't he be a spiritual leader? Uh, it, you could classify it like as a pastor. You wouldn't think of him as a spiritual leader, a man who should be spiritual-minded? Well, you, you, you could do okay, that. Okay. All right. 
But if he just worked, I mean, if he just no, he dusted went, off the yeah, pews he, or yeah, something like that. He didn't mop the floors. Okay. Oh, he yeah. was the guy that offered the sacrifices. And was oh, okay. All that kind of oh, stuff. Oh, man, so. yeah. All right. So you'd expect him, one, to know God's laws, wouldn't you? I would expect. If in he, the context of this parable, I would I'd expect him to take care of this hurt person. Why but, would you expect that? You're hitting to what I want to get to. Because this guy was hurt and he was bleeding. And Is there any God's laws that says you shall treat a non-Jew exactly as you treat a Jew? See, that's the thing. We don't know any of that stuff. Well, sure you do. It's in your Bible. It's all over in there. I know, but we, I wouldn't need a Bible to it tell me the, that. It says the stranger, the non-Jew, the sojourner. With okay. You. There shall be one law right. for the Jew and the non-Jew. Okay. Now, I so expect- you're saying there is. Yes, there was a law oh, that tell him to do that. Unequivocally. See, us, we, we, we don't know that law. Well, we just go, help the guy. He's a trouble. You know who should you be know. telling you that yeah. law? Who? Your pastors. Okay. And they're evidently not. From what evidently, you should be telling our pastors. Well, perhaps. <laughs> you guys. But you, know, but, you know, actually, it seems that somebody wrote it down for you. Yeah, that's true. Okay, okay we'll go but past the, the guy. Is, the, you, you hit on the point. You right. would expect this guy to know God's laws and do them, right? Right, what he should do, yeah. But he didn't. Okay. That's the know. point. He knew them. He didn't do them. Then the next class. He passed down, by on the other side. So then you come to 31, and now... I'm sorry, 32, uh-huh. and it's a Levite, just a member of the Levite tribe. Now, those are the guys that would take the tabernacle down. They did all the mundane stuff, you might mm-hmm. say. They, you know, they would carry stuff. and They were ushers. They helped park cars and, that and kind so of thing. on. But you had to be from the tribe of Levite to do that. But the of the tribe of Levite, the priest comes from the descendants of Aaron, etc. Uh, are they still active today? Yes. Do they do park cars as well? Uh, <laughs> I'm just curious. For a reasonable fee. <laughs> <laughs> I could just see them. That, well, they'll they'll park your camel I, and yeah. you know, so on. No, I don't think they had camels. Oh, okay, temple, right. but, uh, but uh, yeah, one lump or two. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> how do you think? Wow, we uh, cannot get. Okay, all right. No, no, but he's there and he's working. Okay, now but he the comes point by. Is, why? Should why? he you, know you the law too? Asked, but so, but you asked the question. I did, didn't I? And why? Why is you starting off with the priest, then the Levite? Oh, why would he say? Because he's kind of going down the list? Yes. And what did you expect? You said, well, why? I would expect this guy to help. Any Jew hearing this story would be expecting what you just said. Why didn't you help? Uh huh. And so Jesus is making a point that, you know, God may have given us laws and gave the laws to the Jews. Uh-huh. But Jesus' point was, if you don't do them, they don't mean anything. So it is legitimate to to read this and see this in the context of the Jewish mindset. That makes sense to me. Uh, that, but 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 you do see the difference, right? I mean, we're not Jews. I never, I didn't know about this thing about the law that says that you know you should treat non-Jews the same and so on. Well, I just read it as Sophie, a human you, being. Sophie, you've read in the Bible. Okay, that it says there's one law for the Jew and the non-Jew. Yeah, I I I, I get it. And, and I understand that, but that isn't what I referred. That isn't what went through my mind when I read this story. I just read this story and they were, go help the guy. Come on, it wasn't a matter of uh, doctrine or theology or your interpretation of you know book or a list of rules or something. Well, let's it was just this. a human. This is obviously talking to a Jewish crowd. Okay, he's picking one of their most holy men. 
He starts off with a priest. Yeah. That, that sure does. Yeah, I'll get it. So the guy doesn't do what he's supposed to and do. And he comes down on the level he goes to, to the, the Levite. Comes he down. doesn't do what he's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Now, in contrast, so he's stressing, look, the Jews were given the laws. We know uh-huh, the laws. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, they, and, they, and these guys are not doing things. Now, we don't know from the story if this is one of the priests that were hired by Herod in Rome no. and they kicked the others out. We don't know that. No, All we, we don't. know for sure is this guy is a, a priest. Another thing I was just noticing we don't know, yeah. we don't know if the guy that was hurt was a Jew or not. Well, I'm going to suggest it's implied he was not. Okay. And I'll tell you why. Because uh, I think that the Jesus' point is the priest and the Levite would have helped him had he been identified as a Jew. Huh. But I can't prove that. But no. I will say this. Now, Jesus is giving this thing. Look, you guys are a Jewish audience. You know, the priest should do this. You know, the Levite should uh-huh. do this. In fact, you should do this. And then he talks about a Samaritan. Now, why would that be? And Jesus' entire point, I'm going to jump ahead and then come back. Uh-huh. I think his point is is that no, regardless of who you are, that um, there should not be uh, love knows no boundaries. You're supposed to treat all human beings like human beings. Uh-huh. And so on one hand, he's saying, look, you got these guys, the Levite, the priest, and they didn't seem to help, but they were given God's laws. They know what the laws are, and they didn't do it. But then the Samaritan comes along. Now, I'm just going to say, and I'm just, this is the point, is that even though this guy, a Samaritan is an idol worshiper, there's no way around that. That is what he is. And that was the conflict between the Jews and the Samaritans. And you'll find actually listed in Kings that that was the conflict. So, and they were put there because they were idol worshipers. And that's why uh, Syria, I mean Assyria, put them there. But, so that conflict was there. So Jesus' point is, look, these guys were given a lot and they didn't help. And here's an idol worshiper. And he helped so who really was the brother to the injured man? So he's saying, look, go, going beyond... Because this, it's always explaining love the Lord and love your neighbor, who, who is really a neighbor right. to this man, yeah. And so his point is is that love and fair treatment treats people decently goes beyond whether uh-huh. they are a Jew or a non-Jew or if they're a Samaritan and an idol worshiper. Whether, and that means... But that means you help the person, whether the person needing help is a Jew or a non-Jew, and uh-huh. you are to help the person whether you are, whether you yourself are a Jew or non-Jew. It's well, that's both, true, both but sides, the reverse right? is true. Okay. For a Christian, there's the help of Jew, too. Uh-huh. And that's the part that's always overlooked. All right. And so, in fact, Jesus uh-huh. talks Interesting. about it. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So you're taking this from Samaritans and Jews to to. Christians or well, yeah, well, you Jesus did. followers. Yes, that were to help. Yeah, yes. of course. Yeah. In fact, uh, in fact, the famous story, and I will give you a famous example. Uh-huh. Do you remember when Abraham uh, housed a runaway slave? Yes, I do remember that. Uh, do you happen to remember that runaway slave's name? Yes, his name was um, uh, Elihu. No, 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 no. That's that's that's, that's I Job. Said it if you that's said Job. That. Uh, it was uh, it was. Um, oh, come on, come on. I know, I know. He became. Uh, uh-huh. 
he became a he he had he was a runaway slave he's and he was not, given his freedom and and, uh, and he became he almost, wasn't given his freedom he was abraham bought him and then set him and free. Said, that's what i meant set him so free. well okay but that's so, what i meant actually. okay but so the point is abraham demonstrated that law he said listen people shouldn't be slaves yes uh, so what i'm going to do i'm is trying I, to remember his name i just um, Lord, you just keep working on okay, it. Okay. It's, in, it's in your Bible. Uh-huh. And so, but the point is, uh, so the guy comes along. Abraham says, okay, I'll buy this guy from me, from his so-called owners. Uh-huh, People uh-huh. can't own human beings. Right. So Abraham demonstrated what you might call godliness. Uh-huh. And so he paid the guy, and then he set him free. And that, now, that's what you do, Jew or non-Jew. And, okay. And so what's going on here in this Jewish audience, Jesus really making a story. He's saying, look, because all the Jews understand they were given the laws of God. And he's saying, look, you may be given the laws of God, but sometimes you don't do the right thing. But look at here. Even an idol worshiper can do the right thing. So if this guy's an idol worshiper, just go ahead and accept the fact that he did the right thing. So regardless, idol worshiper or not, he can still do the right thing. Was that insulting in some way to the uh, Jewish listeners? Well, I don't know if it would be insulting. I I don't think. I mean, I would not be insulted by it because the point that Jesus is making is a correct point. Um, Now... Uh, that the Samaritan should is doing mm-hmm, something, mm-hmm. but the fact that he doesn't believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but has his own religion, he still showed compassion. Sure, and that should be acknowledged and respected. And that that sh- that is what we should. Do. That's the right response. Well, see, we kind of cut to the chase, evidently. Then we didn't go through the whole thing about the commandments and the laws and the, the this and the that. We Gentiles just read that and go, "Good night, help the guy out." You know, we. So, is that an example of God writing His laws on our hearts and minds? <laughs> maybe, maybe we just kind of instinctively know that's the right thing to do to help. Well, actually, I think that is what. It's interesting you say that because I think, as I understand uh-huh. it, that is what Christianity is about. You don't. The faith is a substitute for knowing the laws. And I, in uh-huh. fact, uh, as you mentioned, I was just finishing that today. And I was looking at it, I was thinking, you know, I think I've got a real good grasp of this. Because it's, there's a famous line in uh, Romans 7, something about, uh, we walk by faith, not by the flesh. No, by, well, yeah. By, but how do you take the word flesh? Uh, it might be a uh, Romans 10, you said we walk no, by it's faith. Romans not, 7, I think. Not by, not by sight or not not in the flesh no, yeah. not the, not the flesh is is that what I, I i've always interpreted the flesh meaning uh, our own limited and uh-huh. fallen sinful uh, human and, nature not right. just our human instincts nature. So just not just what we think an animalistic nature yeah and i see i take that differently mm-hmm. walking by flesh are the people that had god's laws because god told them how to act as a human being on earth so we're walking by the laws but you don't know the laws. You were never tutored in the laws. You didn't have a trainer in the laws. Uh, somebody failed to teach you. Somebody failed to learn. Somebody failed to inquire. Well, that's an interesting. Yeah, that, we'd have to talk about that a lot. because. But, but in spite of that, in spite of that, you believe it 
You know it somewhere inside of you, and that's faith. And so I think Paul was saying is that, look, Romans, you guys, you got the idea, and that will be a substitute. Mm -hmm. And that's why Jesus, as a quote-unquote lamb of God, Mm. can justify you. But I don't think walking by the flesh is is seen as a positive thing. I don't think so either. I've I've read the commentaries, and I'm reading it, and I'm thinking... We see the verse before, right before it says, and the verse, and then it comes up in Galatians in comparison, and and uh, chapter three, I think it's verse twenty-four, something like that, and it says, and my faith is a substitute for serving God by His law. It says it. Really, where's that? It's in Galatians uh-huh, chapter three. Uh-huh. So, what I, if you if your faith is a substitute by serving God by His laws? then I think I'm getting the grasp of what this whole thing was about. You go, Jesus, Paul, was going, and, and Paul, I should say, going to people who really were not familiar with God's laws. They didn't know what they were. A lot of them may not even want to keep them. That's fine. But they still had this thing inside them. They knew there's a God, and they believed in that God. And somewhere they know that you're not so really supposed to have slaves. Mm-hmm. They know that you're supposed to be charitable and helpful to people that, of all races and creeds, regardless if they believe mm-hmm. like you mm-hmm. or not. They know that. And so, therefore, that faith is the substitute for them of God's They know laws. to do the right the thing, Jew- and they do the it. The Jews were given the laws, and God said, it doesn't make any difference if you want to do them. You made a mm-hmm. deal, you're going to do them. <laughs> So, we shook on it, yeah. yeah. So, well, interesting, interesting. So, yeah. that, so what's going on is when I read this Good Samaritan, I get all that out of it. Just uh, yeah, you, that's what I meant. You guys see such a it's just whole lot more. It is not necessarily contradictory. No. It's just a kind of a different little understanding. It seems to come out with the same lesson, essentially, uh, for us, in terms of at least of how we should behave and how we should treat one another, right. uh, for sure. Um there's another one that I wanted to mention just briefly. Not not long. We've already talked about those. I'll go deeper down. I was going to talk about uh, uh, you know when Jesus climbed to a mountain to pray and was transfigured. Uh, we had the question: How many people saw him? And a lot of people mention Peter, James, and John, and think, well, they, well, there was also Elijah and Mo- and Moses. So it's a little bit of a trick question. But the point there, and we, I think we've talked about that. Moses not seeing into the promised land, and but now being able to come in because the Messiah had delivered the lost tribes and so on. That that was all very intriguing to me as well that you shared with us before. Um, what do you make of this story? I see again. We take this story about the wealthy farmer who builds bigger and bigger barns to store more grain. And, and Jesus says, uh, or the uh, the story says, you fool, for, you know, this night your, you will, your life will be taken from you. And, uh, you know, what if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Um, it, 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 is that story register anything with you? Is that bring up to mind uh, that's in chapter 12, verse um, 13? Yeah. Well, I think is that, it's about the same you'd get out of it, yeah. Okay. More or less what, what it says is what we get, what we take. Okay. Uh, I didn't know if there was any kind of thing about somebody building barns somewhere. or uh, that, That's just a pretty clear 
principle to be brought up. Well, what did you have any uh, that you had marked out? Uh, there's some very famous passages here in Luke. There's these th- three stories in a row, uh, the story of the lost coin, then there's a the yes. story of the uh, I think the lost sheep and then the lost coin and then there's this lost young man, the you know what we call the prodigal son. Um and you know, what they have in common in each case something or someone was lost. Uh, something precious. Well, so what do you feel that you should return that to the person that lost it? The thing that was lost? Yeah. Well, in this case, the person that lost it was the person himself who found it, right? They, uh, The lady lost... Uh, some guy had... Um, was it the lost sheep? He, he lost a sheep, and he went out. He left the 90 and 9 behind. He had 100 sheep. And he found one was missing, so he left the 99 and he went out and found that one lost sheep to bring it back. And, and that's that's always a great... I've always liked that because I've always thought of myself as a little bit of a lost sheep. But uh, then, uh, and, and, you know, he left and went and got him. Well, then, the, the, then there's another one about a woman who loses a coin, right? Isn't that a marriage coin or something very meaningful to her? Didn't they, uh, this is what I was told, that there was a, when a woman got married, there were coins or sometimes there were gifts given to her and, and they would wear those, kind of like a wedding ring or something, and that that she had lost one and she couldn't find it, so she swept the house and swept the house and looked and looked and finally found it, and great was her rejoicing. Was that the same, is that the parable there? Am I in the right well, ballpark? Uh... I'm at a loss. I think I better listen. You explain this one. I'm not familiar with that story. Okay. Uh, then I must be in the wrong, telling the wrong stories. I'm the right church, but the wrong pew, maybe. Uh, parable of the lost sheep. Uh, one has 100 sheep. He loses one of them, chapter 15. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home, and he calls his friends and neighbors and said, Rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. Uh, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who did not need to repent. Now, Interesting sort of observation. 15, you said? Chapter 15, the parable of the lost sheep. And then it has a coin. Suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, search diligently until she finds it? And when she, when she finds it, she calls her friends, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. Uh, in, in the same way, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels over one sinner who repents. And then the parable of the lost son, we all know about the the, the parable son. The father had two sons, and he divides it. One of them asks him for his inheritance and so on. And he goes off and wastes it in a foreign country and you know, debauchery and so on. And finally he comes to his senses, and he goes back to his father and to tell his father, I'm not even worthy to be your son. May I come home just as a servant? And his father grabs him and hugs him and bring the best robe, put it on him, bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and now is alive again. He is lost and is found. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, we those three come right in a row. They're told right, these lost things. Uh, it has the principle there is that how joyful, how heaven celebrates when... A, when what, what do you take this prodigal son story to mean? That is a really good... Uh, uh, it seems to me, look, again, I'm just a Gentile looking at the thing, and I'm saying, 
Wow. I, I see the father as being a, a God figure and that uh, this child roamed off and abandoned God, went away from his father, rebelled against his father, uh, went off and lived in a life of uh, debauchery and wasted all of his life and so on. And then finally came to his senses and was willing to say, go back and ask his father to forgive him and to if he could just be, even be a servant in his father's house. But the father would have none of that and received him back as a son, reinstated him, hugged him, gave him the ring of the family and that sort of thing. The interesting thing about it is the, the other son uh, was who never left the father. The other son uh, gets mad because his dad has invited the uh, younger son back. He's welcomed him open with open arms and, and celebration and, and he gets mad and said, This guy went off and wasted all your money that my brother and and, and he comes back and you give him the ring, you put him on a cloak, a brand new clothing, you have a banquet. You never gave a banquet for me and I've been here working for you all these many years. And so he gets mad. And so you wonder which one is the prodigal. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. That's sometimes uh, the question asked. Which which of them? You know, maybe the prodigal was not necessarily a, the other one. A little different. Stuff. I would. Yeah, I'd like to hear it. But that's that's kind of the way classically. I think we read it and kind of <laughs> well, take it in that God is forgiving and merciful and loving. Uh, did you see the Billy Graham um, story? By the way, uh, not story, but the the funeral. Uh, I watched the special afterwards. D- did you happen to see his sister, his young youngest daughter, yes. telling her story yes. about coming up the mountain yeah. and her dad was out waiting for her right. after she, his second divorce and all that? She was, and that was that just harkened back to all of us, at least to us, harkened back to this story that sure. that God was. You know, he, it only he cost said, sixty dollars to literally. He, he save said, Billy Graham is not a. Not God, but he showed me what God is like in that in that day and so on. Anyway, our, our, we've got to get off and lift our announcements. Take Can you give me a little music or any, or not? Of how many children suffer from or do I, you want me to just keep that Maybe up Maybe you should just sing, Soapy. <laughs> now it's time for a commercial, and we are going to, okay, we're going to get some music up here, a little bumper to get out of this segment uh, in, a, in an orderly, civilized, and professional way to get out of that. So um, we'll get that started up, and we'll come back and talk about the parable of the prodigal son. And we'll talk about all things, uh, another few other things here in the book of Luke in our last segment. Give us a call if you'd like to tune in, if you'd like to chime in, I mean, and uh, give us a thought that you have, either about these parables, these passages, or maybe another question or insight from God's Word, the Scriptures. We'll be back in just a little bit. Don't go away.
You're listening to The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. song and a beautiful truth. He is awesome in this place. I, what a great, loving, powerful, omnipotent, omniscient, um, kind, merciful, forgiving, all those attributes of, of the God of the Scriptures. So that's uh, We don't want to ever forget that. We're not just talking uh, theory here and doctrine and theology. We're, we're talking about getting to know the author of this book the Bible, getting to know him better and better and experience him in our lives and let him uh, have his way in guiding and teaching us how to be his people here on this planet Earth uh, from day to day. So that's what we're about. We've got one more segment to go. If you'd like to tune in, and would you like to, I keep saying tune in, chime in. Maybe you have something to share about the scriptures, a question about the Bible that you have in your mind or heart, uh, particularly, especially the Gospel of Luke, but it could be any portion as well. Um, we were talking about when we left off uh, this um, we, we mentioned the the Good Samaritan, and then we were talking about um, the prodigal son. The prodigal son. These these three parables that come up together: the the lost sheep, the lost coin, and then this lost son. And you were going to give us another uh, thought about that that story. I, it's it is it, it's been it, it's probably one of the more one of the most preached portions. I would say, in, in Christian circles at least, uh, on pulpits around the planet, uh, around the uh, nation here. I'm sorry. Wow. My mind is going on me tonight. But uh, w- w- with sermons across the nation, I, I, I doubt there's, there's no one who's never heard a sermon about the prodigal son. That's, I think for it's so touching. It's it's a father son. It's a family. It's a, a, a it involves failure. It's a very human uh, uh, kind of experience that appeals to the emotions and so on, and yet it supposedly I think teaches us about God's love, God's faithfulness, about about humanity and our our frailty, our prone to wander. Uh, we can see ourselves a little bit in that 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 maybe a little bit of that rebellion. Uh, it talks about the cost and the consequences of sin. It talks about what is what is involved in repentance, maybe. In uh, in God's forgiveness, I. Uh, but there is that problematic little second son that that is not quite now knowing what to do about him. Uh, we we wonder if maybe you know. And, and of course, in all the sermons I've heard about the prodigal son, that it's about well, they, yeah. Which one's the prodigal? Is it the one that repented and came, or the one that? Maybe a little prideful, maybe a little uh, resentful, arrogant. I don't know. Uh, and so we, we, it's it's a great story. It's very intriguing. But so you read it, and I'm guessing you think of of uh, Jews and non-Jews, and and somehow commandments. And I mean, you see a lot of things like that that we don't that tune into. We don't kind of capture right i'm guessing i'm just guessing no i see it as uh first of all in the 15 12 uh the son the one son that goes away asked for money that's true he asked for his uh portion of the inheritance right now the father could have said no 
But it's just like in America today. If I die without a will, uh-huh. the law is going to decide how my estate goes. Okay. If But before I die, it's all mine. I can divide it up however I want. True. So, and that's what the father does. He divides it. It says he divided his wealth between them. So evidently it's 50-50. Now, it is often said that this, even asking, going to his father and asking, uh, you know, I don't want to wait till you die. I want my portion of the, that that was kind of in some way insulting or that would that, that wouldn't be a normal thing that a son would do or that's well, not unusual. Probably. No, pro- probably not. It'd be like your child coming to say, dad, when you die, you're going to give me 10 grand. Can I have it now? <laughs> um, well, I don't think my kids would do that, but okay, yeah, I'm no, not well, sure how would, I would, would be, respond to that either. So it would be less than cordial. I, I guess. Okay. All right. Well, then uh, uh, we, we can go that. with that. That All he. Right, now, the way I would look at this is here is a Jewish father. He has two sons. They're both Jews. One is attracted by the lifestyle of the Greeks and the Romans. Uh huh. He wants to go give up everything. Go have his own religion. Go live with the pigs. Uh huh. I mean pigs because he ends up right. That's what I know. I knew. I knew what I you I'm meant. I'm not calling Romans pigs. No, I knew what you meant. Uh, I, I think our. But I'm not sure everybody else did. This. Okay. So, um, but the point is, so that's what he does. He goes off. He's attracted by their gods, their lifestyle. In fact, one of the things that was a very strong inducement for Jews to separate from Judaism was the gymnasiums. And the free sex uh-huh. and all the other stuff that was going on. So they were, he was attracted by that. Well, he goes off. He squanders it on wine, women, and song. Mm-hmm. He ends up taking care of pigs. So he knows who. So we know he goes to, as it says, a distant country in verse 13. Uh-huh. Distant country is obviously not Israel. Okay. But when he finally is broke and he has nowhere to go and he squandered everything that was given to him. And there's a severe famine in that country where he went to. Well, he comes home and his dad accepts him because he repents, as you said. We we also make uh, a big deal is made of the fact that he goes to and he's uh, as a Jewish young man, he ends up actually taking care of this unkosher, this unclean animal, the pigs. And and so so that uh, some a big deal is made of that as well, that is that appropriate? I mean, that's... that's well, uh, it would be an unexpected... It's like, how far down can you sink? It would be you know? an unexpected ch- career choice. Yeah. But but the idea is that he sank as low as you could get. He was well, eaten with the pigs. During the he Holocaust, when the Germans, when the Jews were hiding out, they ate ham. Uh-huh. Because the worst commandment you can do is not stay alive. Because it says you shall serve God while you're alive. Uh-huh. Well, if you're not alive, you can't serve him. Okay. So... What's going on is, uh, I read this. Maybe a desperation. Whatever. He comes back. Okay. And when he comes back, he returns. And the laws of God are, when a person repents, he is allowed to return. And you are to accept him. So this guy goes off with another religion, another lifestyle, everything that attracts him. But he returns. Mm -hmm. And as you say, now there was one good Jewish son that stayed there took care of the temple, did everything he's supposed to do. And he's saying to his dad, hey, I stayed here. I was a good Jew. I stayed here in Israel. I took care of everything I'm supposed to do. 
and you never gave me money, and you never killed a fatted calf for me. You never celebrated, and this guy has gone out and wasted your money, and you do all of this for him. Yeah, kind of a resentment thing. The older the older son was in uh, was a little bit resentful, I, and of course, it's a very human reaction, I guess. And yet well, I think we all kind of understand that, no, that's not right. If you, you work all your life and you save everything that yeah. you've got and somebody comes along and it gets divided, you're saying that's not fair. Yeah. A lot of families fall apart and have incredible tensions when it comes time to, uh, uh, what is it, pro, pro the, something, okay, a, a let's will? Let's just take a look. Why don't you read your verse uh, 29? Okay. Starting at 28, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But the older brother said, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Boy, that just intrigues me. And I'll quit, I promise. All three of these parables in a row, it seems like the point that Jesus is making is something about this rejoicing. After all the story is told... When he talks about the lost sheep, remember when he finds his sheep, he, he, uh, and when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. In the same way, Jesus says, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons. And then in the parable of the coin, uh, in the same way, there is rejoicing in the presence of God, of the angels of God, over one sinner. And then o- over this lost son, but we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive. So it seems to be that's a central point of all of these is is that we're to rejoice when someone repents and we re- not resent them for the wrong decision they made necessarily or the bad decision and so on. But could that be – it seems to me like that seems to be a central point of what Jesus is saying. Be happy when people are willing to change. Even if they made a terrible mistake, they may be, I don't know, they may be a guy who walked into, well, there's terrible things to say, but uh, terrible crimes they could do, terrible, terrible things. But if they repent, truly repent, we're, we're, we should be happy and glad. Is it? Would that be well logical? It, for it, the, it, whatever it means to you is what matters. So what does it mean to you? Well, it looks like that's what Jesus, the point Jesus is trying to make, because he summarizes each one of these parables with that statement about we had to celebrate. It's you know there'll be joy in heaven over one sinner that repeat. So that seems to be that. It seems to me like that. That was if there was a point to the story in terms of like what was he actually trying to communicate. It had to, something to do being glad when people people get their heart right, their hearts right with God. I don't go for it. Tell no, me. No, that's okay. I mean, I, whatever it means to you is what it, what matters. No, but if I, that's what yeah. it means to you, then that's what it means to you. Does it look consistent though? With uh, consistent. Okay. Yeah. I, I wouldn't. I would not say that. But um, I. I guess I view it more on a. Uh, 
Well, it could be viewed on a spiritual interpretation, mm-hmm. as you're saying, because you're outlining that the guy returns the God, mm-hmm. and that's important. But And if that's an extrapolation of this and it's something about returning God, that's good. That's important. Okay. But I'm also uh, saying that uh, the fact that if the approach that, so if the guy returns to God, does that mean that the son that stayed gets more than the mm. one who returned? Well, or gets less? I don't know. And see, that's, that's the thing that Jesus got us into with this story. Because he, he kind of muddies the water a bit with the story of the older brother. The other stories, well, they were let's, fairly Well, let's picture simple. from a physical, honest standpoint. It was uh-huh. taking place when Jesus was walking around. Okay. So he's telling a story yeah. to a bunch of people. Yeah. And they say, look, there are some of you Jews that are awful attracted by the Romans and the Greeks and their lifestyle and their gods. And all you want to do is have a great time. You don't want all these laws that God gave you. You don't want to support those. And you run off and you do that. And when you find out that you're not going to be accepted and you're not going to be treated as one of them, okay. you're totally broke. You're taken advantage of. And then you come back here. And the guy, and the Jews that have stayed here through all this and didn't run off, uh-huh. you feel some resentment because you didn't run away. You stood here and kept the, the whole thing going. Kept the faith, yeah. Well, more than keeping the faith. Faith is not quite so important in Jewish thought. Okay. Doing it is what's matters. Yeah, okay. So... So you stayed here and you did what's required. <laughs> and and this guy's coming back. And you kind of resent that because he's being celebrated as returning. And yet you did all the work. How come all you did is not being celebrated? And so I see it kind of like a very practical story. And they're sitting there thinking, yeah. yeah I I don't, uh, so uh, what is the lesson? What is... If, not is the lesson. Maybe there's more than one lesson. Uh, do you get a lesson from each person, from the, each son? I do. We learn one thing from this son. What do you learn? Well, the one that's obvious is the guy who returns seems to be the repentant one, and we're all supposed to be very happy about that. Uh-huh. We seem to catch a little animosity, a little anger from the one that stayed and did yeah. all the work. Understandably, we, uh, I mean, uh, we I, understand his resentment. I mean, it does seem... At some level, there is some question of like fairness that well you did but 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 then the father answers him and said, "Well, you've been here all this time, and you, everything I have is yours you well, it sounds a, a little bit like maybe it that used older to be son that people used to the people I'm familiar with that came from other countries they used to go to work early mm-hmm. in the morning, they worked all day, their family mm-hmm, stayed mm-hmm, together, mm-hmm. and no matter what culture they came from, they'd stay together. And they go to work all day long. Uh-huh. They may not. They may have to collect garbage. They may have to work two or three jobs, but they worked and supported their families. And then their children grow up and go to school, and they're embarrassed about their parents uh-huh. because they're not smart people. They uh-huh. didn't get a chance at education. No. So they went off, and they want to be whatever they want to be. But they don't want to acknowledge that their father worked in a factory. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But And the father is the one that made it possible for the other the son to go to school. Uh-huh. So when the and you see this like in old movies and things, so what happens when the the son that ran off and was embarrassed about the parents or the mother, when he finally gets over that and accepts them, you think, Oh, isn't that great? But what about that father that spent his whole life working seventy hours a week so everybody else could have things? And nobody ever says, thank you. 
How do you feel about that? Um, let me see. I gratefully, happily, and very, very humbly, gratefully, it's not been my case. Um, I, I understand it when I see the movie and I hear this kind of story. I, I do understand it, and I feel bad for the father. I just really do. But it seems, in a way, that's that's almost kind of the risk of fatherhood. You know, you you we have them not so we can control them, but so that they'll grow and be strong and good men and women and good children. You know, and I guess uh, it's hurtful. It's painful. I, I feel it like everybody else feels it, and yet if there's repentance and when they when they reconcile and there's repentance, I I feel. I, I kind of celebrate like the the dad usually does in those kind of stories as well. He he feels better he, once they've acknowledged his love for them and what he's done for them. Well, I don't know, but look at verse. Uh, I'm rambling verse, a bit. Thir- look at verse thirty-one. <laughs> okay. Oh, I'll, I'll find it that's real fast. In the, that's in the Bible. Yeah. It's yeah, fifteen thirty-one. Right. Uh, that's what we're talking about. Okay. Let me get my glasses. My bifocals all. <laughs> lined up here. Come on, Soapy. Okay, verse 31, you said? Yep, I did. Uh, 31. My son, said the father. He's talking to the older son who complained about his younger son being given this celebration. My son, the father said, you are always here with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because... Oh, you're going on. That's not 31. Okay, that's it then. 31. Yeah. That's what I, uh, All right. I want to separate. All right. What he says, he says, look, you've been here. Everything okay. is everything I've got is yours. Or is he talking about his bank account and 20 sheep? I think so. Aha. Uh-huh. Or is he talking about something else? I think he's talking about everything I have is yours. Everything has always been yours. All that I have. Sounds like his oldest son was living beneath his potential. Well, perhaps. But let's suppose. Now now look at 32. Okay. But we had to celebrate. But who? We. 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 we, We. So everything I've got is yours. And one of the things I got is loving your brother. And he was dead, and now he's back. So what I what I've got is what is yours. It's you loving your brother. <laughs> you wrangled out of that one, Kimosabi. That was really good, you right there. Well, that's I good. didn't write it. I just read it. <laughs> I know, I know. You've, uh, but that's no, 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 no. That that is very good. You've, uh, I, mm-hmm, everything I have is yours, and that includes. Your little brother it doesn't say all my wealth is yours. His little brother, I got, the little I brother had you, been restored to what him I, too. What God right? has given us what we've taught, learned from God. Mm-hmm. You stayed here and you did it. You learned all about God and how God wants people treated. You yeah. understood all this, and everything I've got is yours, not just my wealth. So the and little so brother was not I only. I want you. We have to celebrate. Yeah. Why? God says we have to celebrate, and because you're it's supposed a good to thing. love your yeah. brother. Yeah. So you have got. So the name. little brother had been restored not only to his father, but he had been restored to his brother. 
Bingo. <laughs> but the brother didn't know it and didn't Until understand the that reality. Slowed him down and pointed it out. Wow. I like that an awful lot. That's pretty good, Jacob. You know, that's well, all I did was for, read it I for a beginner. It. That that's that's really good. But it's it's right there in the context. It is. I that is such a. But again, it it goes back to that. It seems like the theme in each one of these. Uh, although well, this third let's, parable let's, is a little more delicate. Let's, let's take a little sensitivity here at verse thirty-two. Notice when it says we have to celebrate. Uh-huh. He doesn't say because my son came back. He says your brother came back. That's right. He's your brother. He's family. This brother of yours. Yeah. You're, he's your family. I remind you that and he's all your I've brother. trained you and all God's given us. That's yours now, and so therefore. He's your brother. So I guess in a way it sounded like I'd never thought of this before, but it sounded like the older brother didn't really love his little brother. He well, didn't. Perhaps. But maybe he had been hurt. Maybe he had been hurt. Maybe his brother left and he got left with all the work oh, and yeah, he, he resented did. He it did all the for work. that. Yeah. And that's why, like the father that works 70 hours a week, uh, he doesn't get much respect when the son becomes very successful. So Maybe the, the older brother was... had lost sight of the fact that yeah. this is your little brother you held when he was a baby. and you, you, were, you, you, you Everything I have from God taught you to love your family. Your family has returned. Now let's put in the context of this prodigal son, this Jewish son that returned back to God. Now God has told you to embrace him. He's your brother. Wow. I, I, I like that a lot. I have to ponder it far more than I can right here on the air. Uh, that, that's powerful. Look, we've got just a little bit of time. Is there some other thing that would bear our... Oh, there's some rich, rich things in this. Sto- and Luke is just so full of these stories. The coin, you know, uh, with the head of Caesar well, on okay, it. Okay, let's, let's the head of Caesar and the coin real quick. Yeah, okay. What What's that about? What They're law? trying to trap him, right? We, we see well, it's trying to trap whose him. head is on this coin. But how does Jesus get out of that story? He says, render unto Caesar that which belongs oh, to Caesar. What does render that unto mean? God okay, now think of it in context. Uh-huh. Jesus followed God's laws. Mm-hmm. Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Jesus holding something that belongs to somebody else. What law would that be? This is what's in my book, by the way. Okay, good, good. But, uh, uh, it's this. When you find the laws back in the, uh, the Torah, is when you find lost property, you're supposed to return it to the owner. Okay. That's God's law. So he's looking and says, well, look, it's got his picture on it. It belongs to him. God's law says return this property to the owner. <laughs> okay. That's what he's saying. All right. So he's like, every time you get stuck, if you can look them up, if you know them, you just look at God's laws and you'll understand why and what Jesus is doing each and every time. And what they're trying to do. It looks like to us, we look, well, they got him in a political jam here. He's a Jew and he's supposed to resent the Roman rule and all this. And so if we can get him to or, you know, if we can get him to side with Rome, then that'll that'll put that'll to him. Or if we can get him to rebel, openly rebel. The theme is in every one of these parables and every one of these stories, the answer is always one thing. Obey God's laws. Jesus always obeys God's laws, 
and it gets out of every one of them. Yeah, that 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 is an amazing thing there. Uh, render unto Caesar the things that it's, well, that's it, always been it's considered. It's a lost coin, and we know what belongs to it. It's got his head on it. It's, it's always been considered to be a brilliant uh, response and right. a brilliant and interchange right there. Speaking of that, we should always be the kind of person we want for a parent. That's right. And that comes in well with our discussion tonight. Thanks, folks, for joining us here on The Bible Live. We'll see you next Sunday evening. And we'll go on from the Gospel of Luke uh, back to the book of Samuel. Samuel. Start first and second Samuel. Good night. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.